Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Good morning to you, 909 on KDXU. I'm Andy Griffin on a sunshiny and, yeah, okay, a little bit warm day today. Or hot, maybe that's a better word for it. (laughs) Steve Dunham is with me from the Washington County School District today. Hi, Steve. How are you doing, man? Good morning, Andy. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for coming in today. Uh, As I was doing the weather forecast throughout the morning, they had that little circle that was colored in circle with an exclamation point by Washington County, uh, at least the lower elevations. That is excessive heat warning. Oh, yeah. Which means it's going to be over 100 degrees. And then if you go to the Mesquite forecast, it has a little the same circle, only it's red instead of yellow. That is extreme heat warning. They're going to be over 110 degrees in Mesquite wow. today. So, uh, Isn't yeah. that crazy that uh, we've already hit the lava season where everything, I know, I you know, know, don't walk outside barefoot, don't touch a doorknob. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, by the way, is, uh, yeah, it is uh, too hot to walk barefoot on the sidewalk. I've learned that the hard way, mm-hmm. burning my feet before. In fact, I think everybody here has done yeah, that at yeah. least once, right? And grabbed a doorknob. You, you know those yeah. those, those, oh, window, yeah, yeah, those doors that are west. facing yeah. west in the afternoon? Whoo, be careful touching those. <laughs> that's a good point. In fact, I know some people that put cloth on their, or, or leather or something on their doorknob. So Ex- and I appreciate that when I go so up to hard. a business and I see it wrapped, I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Uh, anyway, welcome to the program. We wanted to talk, uh, obviously, about Washington County Schools with Steve today. Uh, school is out, right? It Every, is. Everybody's like, hey, why would you want to talk <laughs> about schools when school is out? But <clears throat> with what happened in Texas, uh, what's it been, about a week and a half now? Yeah, it's been about two uh, weeks or so. Uvalde, Texas. Uh, I thought it would really be appropriate that we spent some time talking about sure. school and safety. Uh, my son is uh, works up in the Alpine School District, mm-hmm. uh, lives up there, and uh, I was I ha- he actually called in like the day after the shooting, and, and uh, I, I asked him about his school, and he said, well, uh, I work at a high school and a middle school. He goes back and forth between the two, and he says, the front door is always wide open. It's not locked. Uh, anybody can walk in. You're supposed to check in with the office, but the front door is always open at my school, both of the schools that I work at. And I said, well, that, that I mean, I can understand the convenience why if you're a parent, you want to go check your kid out of school, having the door open is, is important. But at the same time, I don't know, is there a policy, Steve? In, in, and obviously there isn't up there. Yeah. Uh, is there a policy down here for keeping all doors locked? That That is our policy, that we have mm. to keep all doors locked. Now, the difference is, is our high schools are an open campus, and we have multiple buildings. And so we cannot secure our high schools like we can oh. every other school. Like our middle schools, they're secured. Mm. We have a set of safety doors. The front door is open. You go into a a, 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 a uh, oh, what's the word? A reception area, mm-hmm. and you check in, and there's a second set of doors that you have to be buzzed through. Oh, okay. And so that's the middle school on down. Everything else has a a second set of doors where they are secure. But we, we're talking high schools, though, because uh, we're bursting at the seams somewhat at high schools, and you have uh, what do they call those? The remote classrooms, the the uh, portables. Portables. That's what the board I was looking for. But, but beyond the portables, you have um, like the arts and crafts building. You have right. the gym, which is a whole separate building. Seminary building, exactly. Off campus, and, and so that's why it's considered an open campus. And so we we really do 
rely heavily upon our local law enforcement, and they're phenomenal. I, I, I give them props. I, I feel very safe sending my children to school. I have a child that's a high schooler. I mm-hmm. feel very safe sending him to school because of that relationship we have with local law enforcement. It's not just St. George Police, Washington City Police, Hurricane. They are phenomenal. Um, I tell you, we have great people in our schools. There's so many things uh, when it comes to this topic to talk about. My mom was actually a secretary to middle school up in Salt Lake, I think Crescent View or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was commonplace, not not rare, not an exception, but commonplace. At least once a week, so a student brought some kind of uh, weapon or something that can be construed to be a weapon to school, whether it was a knife, even a pocket knife. Uh, one kid brought a hand grenade in his backpack. Uh, a dummy one? Well, yeah, we we think they. I they, hope they, they gave it to authorities and they took care of it, but Goodness they don't. They, they don't know. Uh, uh, you know, BB gun, an airsoft pistol, uh, two real guns. Uh, they confiscated a twenty-two pistol, and, and uh, they, you know, in that school while she worked there, and she worked there, gosh, ten or fifteen years, mm-hmm. never had an incident where you know anybody did anything, but. Uh, because she worked in the office, she was privy to, okay, here's another kid that brought another dumb thing to school. Uh, so as we, I mean, we talked about locked doors a little bit. Now let's talk about the students themselves and uh, some of the things they bring to school. Do we st- do we see that still at our schools? Not nearly as much because oh. we have a safe schools policy, mm-hmm. which is very clear about what is or isn't allowed. Even a drawing of a weapon can be, sk- can be considered a safe schools violation, hmm. and it's dealt with on an administrative level with the parents and typically in almost every situation a child is removed almost every situation there are, there are some occurrences where it, it, it isn't because you you know the background of the child maybe they are uh, on the spectrum or, or something and have a fascination with something and it's just part of their behavior but they still cannot bring them they may draw them um mm. I hate to even give that amount of leeway, but but you do work on a case by case. But but in most instances, it's a safe schools violation. But but if we if we do back up and talk about <coughs> excuse me, if we talk about the safety doors just for one more minute, yeah, sure. this is something we didn't have in all of our schools just as of four years ago. Okay, when we passed the 2018 bond, thank you to our voters for that. Mm-hmm. A big portion of that, ten million dollars, was reserved for school safety. And because of that, we went through and retrofitted all of our buildings with those extra safety doors. Now, granted, that is not going to prevent a situation like Uvalde, but it is going to act as a deterrent and give us time. And the key is to provide time for our resources to arrive, our resources being the law enforcement. Um, That's what we really need, is we need them to be able to get there and they can respond quickly. We are one of the few school districts in the state that has a school resource officer dedicated in all of our secondary buildings. Secondary means anything above elementary school. So our intermediates have a school resource officer, our middle schools and our high schools all have a dedicated person in our building. So if you look at St. George proper, that's well, well across the district, that's more than 22 officers in our buildings every day the children are in the buildings. 
And, and and it's important to point out real quickly, resource officer means a police officer. Correct. Works for the police department, but also, I mean, who, who pays him? I guess the police department? Oh, the, the school district does. We've entered a contract with all of our local law enforcement agencies where we pay a portion of their salary. I think it's a little over half because they work with us just over half of the year. And so we pay that so they can be in our buildings. And then in summer, they have summer duties. Mm-hmm. And they, they go to a whole different schedule and they're out on the streets. They're doing what they would do normally for the local police department. Okay. But again, these officers are invaluable. They're not a private security firm. They are trained police officers. They drill in our schools. They practice in our schools. They know what they need to do. And, and, and I hate to say this, and I hope this doesn't come across as too blunt, but I want to reassure our parents that these officers are there to build a relationship with the kids, to get to know the kids, because when they get to know them, they get to know who might be a, a challenge, mm. might be a problem. And, and what's hard is, is these officers, I've, I've seen parts of their training. They have to be trained on being a friend with a kid one day and potentially having to shoot them the next. Hmm. And that is tough if you think oh, about yeah. what they have to do because yeah. they are friends with these kids. They are involved with these kids. They get to know them on a, on a very personal level, but that's what they have to do to help keep our children safe. And, and I give them all the credit. I love working with our local law enforcement agencies, St. George Police particularly. They are phenomenal to work with. They are so good. So if you look at these, these elements that we've added in our buildings, the security doors, which, again, they're not foolproof. Yet they are a barrier that provides time for our officers to get on scene and to intercept and to, to take action. And that's what it's all about. Even though we don't have them in the elementary schools, usually because they're in all of those secondary schools, they are within seconds to a few minutes, a couple of minutes of response time to getting to those elementary schools. They're much faster than if they were not in our buildings at all. And they have their buildings that are assigned to where okay, if it's slow at your school, we need you to go visit these schools. So they're visiting the elementary schools multiple times a week. Hmm. And so we have these things in place, along with some other measures, which we honestly don't talk about publicly, that we use uh, monies from the bond for, which provide an additional level of security. Now, again, I'm trying to reassure parents, but I don't want you to think that it's 100% foolproof, because I don't know that you can honestly make anything 100% safe, unless you put up barbed wire around the outside and the gate and (laughs) and turn it into a prison, you know? And that's not even foolproof. No. You you have a sniper who killing people at, at recess you know i mean exactly yeah. uh let's go back to the locked doors thing. sure sure uh we don't it may be weeks months years before we know exactly how that shooter got in the door they i mean it was propped open it wasn't propped open it was locked it was not locked etc cetera, etc cetera. so i, I don't want to judge uvalde and who might have done what but let's talk about here after a while we get complacent oh yes a little bit uh you know if you you know if you're a teacher and you have a key to the door you maybe get tired of carrying it around or maybe you get tired of pulling it out every every time and it's recess or whatever at some point you go you know just this once i'm going to stick a a coke can in the door or a shoe or Or a rock or whatever rock and and because the kids are we're going to go out and play for 40 minutes and we're going to come back in Mm -hmm. uh how do we prevent that that kind of complacency? Because it, that's the kind of thing, sadly, eventually that, that gets us. And I think that got them in Uvalde. I don't know, because like I said, we don't know the facts yet. Yeah. They keep changing as yeah. the story develops. But it seems like to me complacency is one of those things that eventually gets us, not just when we're talking about school shooting, but about anything in life. Well, you know, I, I think it comes back to um, 
reinforcing the training, mm-hmm. reinforcing that it's a violation of policy. And we, we actually at the school district have a person that's been on staff for the past six years that is over school safety and will do random sweeps. Mm. Uh, this person will go through our buildings and look for things of that nature, a rock in the door, propping it open, um, windows left unlocked, along with other things like uh, daisy chaining safety or extension cords together, hmm. because then that's a fire hazard. And right. so this person looks for anything safety related, and then we'll get a report and we'll be very specific on which classroom was a violation, which person was a violation. Um, the schools, the principals get a copy of that report, and honestly, they get frustrated with this. But it's one of the things we do to try and maintain so we don't become complacent because we have to go through and drill. And people will will find an easier way, and, and yet we're trying to say, hey, no, we, we have a commitment to providing a safe environment for our, our students, and that's our number one job besides teaching them. Yeah, is, is there... I have to ask this. Is there a punishment to uh, say you have a repeat offender? And I'm not talking about a shooter. I'm talking about a teacher that continually, you know, every time you've inspected it, they've had a rock in the door or a shoe in the door. Is there something you can do? Is it just a matter of, hey, you've got to fix this? Or is it something after two or three times you go, you know what? If you don't fix it, you know, this is going to happen. No, definitely there is. There is. And that's why it's in policy so that we can put um, our measures in place to take corrective action, Mm -hmm. whether that be a verbal warning a written warning or probation or if necessary termination mm. but that's the process of how it would go it would go so many times you get a verbal warning um after that it becomes a written warning after that it becomes probation after that it's like listen you need to go somewhere else if we can't work together on this and by working together that means following our policy which is providing for the safety of the children you got to go find something else I wanted to talk about resource officers for a minute, too. Uh, you were talking about the <laughs> – they get to know these kids. They you know, do. They, and, they love them. And that is, in more ways than any other police officer, I think the most important thing that they do is they integrate themselves into into the student body. Oh, they, yes. They become, they become friends with these kids. They, they learn. They know the kids that probably are struggling with whatever. They know the kids that probably have maybe a drug problem and, and, and you know, and, and the, guy, the kids that keep an eye on who may be at risk for joining a gang or things like that. And, so, and the kids whose parents are going through a divorce or yeah. whatever. They know all of those things because then they recognize when the behavior is different. And when the behavior is different, they can have a talk with them and see how they're doing and, and let them know, hey, I'm here as your friend. I'm here to help you. And, and that's what's so critical is the kids learn that, that these officers are there to help them. Hmm. Hmm. So so often, sadly, in our modern society, the places become the scary ones, the, the bad guys. Well, I can't go to a place. But now, now, you know, if we can just understand that these are the good guys yeah. and that you can run to them in times of, of crisis, I think that's important that we establish that because it seems to occasionally to get lost along the way, Steve. You're spot so. on with that. You know, we have, we have our resource officers actually take additional roles in the school. We have one that's a wrestling coach for us as well. Hmm. And so, you know, they, they get down on that level where they're, they're, they're so involved with the students, and we're so, so grateful for that relationship that our board felt was important enough. They established this decades ago. They began this decades ago, and they slowly increased it to where, we again, we have more than 22 officers in our buildings. And, and I, don't, I honestly don't know of another school district that has that level of commitment. Um, there, there may be one out there, but I don't know of one in the state of Utah. 
Well, I'll tell you what, God bless the, the police officers that are willing to uh, do that because it takes a special, you can't just be a regular cop and I love police officers, but you can't just be a regular police officer and be a resource officer. It takes an extra level of a different kind of commitment for these guys. Uh, we, you were talking about, you know, they'd have to not only get to know and love these kids, but occasionally have to bring the hammer down. Yeah. Uh, but also, then you throw in something like a school shooting. They have to be willing to sacrifice their life, to throw themselves in harm's way yeah. uh, to save these kids, too. And that. You know, that's something that's, of course, we do that for our own children, but would you do it for someone else's kid? Yeah, that's 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 a tough question to think about. And yet I have seen them train and I have participated in their hostage training. Mm -hmm. And and I can honestly say that I would trust any of our school resource officers 100%. I have seen them drill. I have, I I participated as a hostage on a bus and, and that's how much they'll drill down. Not just in our schools; they've they've done hostage situations on our school buses. Wow! And and being pretending to be a hostage on the bus and seeing their commitment, I'm like, oh wow, this is this is no amateur hour. These these are the real deal, and I am so grateful that we have them around with us. If you will for a second, and maybe you don't even want to answer this question, but if you will for a second, take off your school administrator hat and put on your dad hat and put yourself outside of that Uvalde school. Uh, Police officers actually had to restrain parents. Uh, Some say, well, I mean, there were pictures of them in handcuffs and, and, you know, pointing tasers at parents to not let them go in and help out. And, And I just, when I put myself in that, I think they would have had to shoot me in the back, Steve. To yeah. keep me out of that school to try to get my to, to try to get my kid out of there. Uh, any thoughts on I mean on what you would have done in that situation? It's hard to speculate, yeah. and you're asking me to do that right. because I wasn't there. And again, like you said, the facts are still coming to light. Right. Here's what we know, and here's what we train. That is, is if we have an incident at our schools, we need all of our officers to be able to respond to the threat. Which means we tell our parents, stay home. I'm not saying the parents did anything wrong like by, by coming or by living across the street, which right. in some of the instances, that's how it was. Yeah. But if, if the officers have to be pulled away from the threat to deal with crowds outside, it's putting your children at risk. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, there's a whole other conversation about second-guessing what happened in the building and why right. did it take so long. That's a whole other thing. But what we know are stay away from our buildings, let the officers address the threat. Because if we're pulling them away from the threat, that's fewer officers we have to protect your children. So in general, I will say this, stay away. If we have an incident at the building, we'll try to inform you, but do not come down. It creates traffic, it creates problems, and it pulls resources away from the threat and they have to deal with the crowds, and none of us want that. We want them to be able to address the threat and to address it properly, which is why I'll come back to the training the officers do, which is address the threat. They will, I feel 100% confident that our officers will address the threat in our buildings, and they'll take care of it quickly because they know that they're saving lives. The, you know, the, the thing you're asking, though, is incredibly hard. It is. If if I have a nine-year-old in that classroom and I know that nine-year-old's life is in danger and uh, you or, or the principal or the, the superintendent or even the police are saying, stay home, we got this, we'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I want to do what you tell me, Steve, but at the same time, I'm like, 
I don't know if I can do that. But society has become more and more like that, where we have to be involved. We have to do it our way. We have to be the ones to take care of it. Let the professionals handle it. We're not professionals. Whether whether you have a concealed carry or not, you're not going to be able to go in there. And if you go in there with your concealed carry and officers are looking for a person with a gun, you're the threat and you're going to die. Hmm. And that's that's a fact. If you are in the building with your concealed carry and and you have it out and they're looking for a person with a gun, you're going to die. Because they don't know if you're the good guy or the bad guy. They know you have a gun and you're suddenly the target. And so you need to stay away. Um, It's something that is hard to understand, but we we all feel like I can handle this. I'm going to protect my children. You're not going to stop me. But you have to. You have to step back and say, okay, let them do their jobs. Let's give them that amount of trust. And what I'm saying is is I have seen their training, mm-hmm. and I trust them. I trust them with my children's lives, and, and uh, you can trust the officers in our schools. You can trust them. The, the, the thing that further convolutes it, though, Steve, is that mistakes were definitely made when it comes to the Uvalde situation. Yeah. Uh, there were jurisdictional issues because they mm-hmm. had their own police force, the school district itself. And, and even uh, I think there's a district or two in Utah that has its own police force. And so it becomes a jurisdictional thing. We don't have that here. We, we have St. George police in our St. George schools. We have Washington City police in our Washington schools. Santa Clara Ivans. We have Hurricane. We have... You know, the sheriff's office and, and the marshals over at, out in Hilldale, and, and they have jurisdiction. They're hmm. all trained on the same format, which is address the threat quickly to save lives. So it's a hard thing you're asking, though, Steve. I understand. <laughs> I understand. But I'm saying in a perfect scenario, yeah. that is the best solution yeah. to get things resolved quickly and safely for everybody, for the best outcome. All right. We're going to talk more with Steve about school safety, uh, resource officers, and uh, other things to do with uh, heavy on our minds still, of course, the shootings in Buffalo, New York, and, and in particular, the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Uh, Steve, hang on. We'll get a weather break in here. We'll also take some phone calls at 673-5890 when we come back. Compelling guests, hot topics, the latest news, always on the Andy Griffin Show. Is there a juicy part in it for me? Right here on News Radio 890, 92.5, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome back. I'm Andy, 936 on KDXU. I'm so glad to have Steve Denham on for a lot of reasons. First of all, he's a great guest, but his name's easy to say, too. I had a couple of guests on earlier this week. And one was Zajahowski, and the other one was uh, Saul Seahai, uh, or Raul Seahai. Anyway, I still can't say it right, but I'm glad your name is easy to say, Steve. Thank you. I could add a couple so. more syllables, kind of like hippopotamus to it. Or, or something. I could say Dunham. You could. That's yeah. fine. I, I'll take it. I'm not going to be particular. <laughs> I actually, when I, you know, the old puppy dog thing when you're 12 years old, you have a girlfriend, and, you know, you're not, you don't know what you're not doing. Not me. Right? No, I don't know what that's like. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> when I was 12, I had a girlfriend, and her name was Tracy Dunham. Oh, so uh, this was down in Texas, and uh, we were pen. She moved away. We were pen pals for a couple of years, and then that was that was that. Oh, so, that's nice. So, see, yeah. you have a history with my little, name. Little Dunham makes history. It I do. Yep. Good for you. She was short, though, really short. Oh, I'm six so, two. So, yeah, no, she was about five one, maybe. Oh, gotcha. Maybe. So, all right, then let's go to the phone lines. We're talking school safety today, and Seth is on the line. What's up, Seth? I'd like to. Uh, um, 
talk about my Academy Award I won in an active shooter uh, situation and I'd like to make a public service announcement about the town hall meeting tonight. Okay. Uh, you, uh, you got to play uh, a shooter in a drill? No, I got to play um, with all the makeup and blood. I got to be shot. Oh, you were a victim. Okay. Yes, I, I was uh, shot in the neck, uh, entry wound, exit wound, with all the accoutrements on there and writhing around on the floor wow. on a piece of plastic while the, the police department came in. And uh, I was so good at playing a <laughs> shot person, yeah. that dead people in the room were laughing. <laughs> you, you made dead people laugh, huh? Yes, that's a, that's a pretty so good talent. Carry, they carried me out. Uh, the The sad part of the story is I bled out because oh. the ambulance uh, uh, wasn't able to get there soon enough to come in and do first aid. Mm-hmm. Sorry to hear that. I'm sorry you well, died, Seth. Yes, but it was. So I, I have a plaque at home, Academy Award for the best uh, dying person. Mm. Well, that, that's something to be proud of, for sure. For well, sure. And, <laughs> and if you have an opportunity, by the way, if you get to be a volunteer, just don't lay there. They have to do the triage, and you got to sort of let them know that you're bleeding. Yeah, yeah. As long, okay, as, they don't, as, long as they don't stab me with needles. I've, I've had enough of those. Not in training. Oh, yeah. Amen. Yeah. So tonight, as far as I know, in the entire Washington County... Uh, for the uh, primary election, uh, there's going to be a town hall meeting at the uh, central fire station starting at 6.30 this evening. Okay. And uh, as I ran for county commissioner, uh, like 10% of the eligible voters even bother to find out what the candidates are going to do, I guess, uh, maybe the county commissioners and people running against them, even Democrats will be at the meeting tonight, mayors, apparently, and that we're expecting a pretty large turnout because we're going to have the only town hall where you're going to be able to speak to the candidates and find out where they stand on the issues and, uh, Hopefully, people will come out and support the town hall and get a chance to hear the commissioners and hear the people that are going to be there. And like I say, 10% is really a poor showing for the primary. So that's 630 tonight, did you say? 630 at the Central, right as you turn up to Pine Valley is the fire station. We're going to have all the fire trucks uh, out, and we're going to set up a, a town hall meeting, which will cool. uh, the doors open at six, and the candidates will be there by uh, six thirty. Well, let's pack the firehouse, huh? All right, thank you, Seth. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye bye. See you later, Steve Dunham, uh, Washington County School. By the way, that again, the open house, uh, town hall candidates tonight, six thirty out there in Central. Uh, if you don't know much about the candidates, I, I would encourage you to go out to one of these things and, and, uh, just, uh, get to know folks. And, uh, I think one, and Seth's absolutely right. One of the issues, uh, unfortunately with elections is 
there are people that go to vote or vote at home and they look and they go, huh, don't know, don't know. Eh, he's got a nice name. I think I'll check that one. That is sad, but true. It, it is. And, you know, it's best to be an informed constituent so you know who you're voting for, who's going to represent you. I, I, I think that's very important, and, and I agree with you. I encourage people to learn about the candidates, see who meshes with you, so you can make a good choice, an informed choice, because that makes a stronger local government for us all. Absolutely. We talk about we talk about action, you know, and right now the way our, our Democratic Republic is set up, the best action you can take is be an involved voter. Yes. And... Uh, I mean, if you really feel strongly about someone, help them campaign or strongly against someone, then, you know, fight against them. Uh, but, you know, let the let the election decide uh, what's what's the way things are going to go. I, I think it's a, it's solid. Uh, obviously, we have uh, uh, Washington School District uh, uh, board members that get elected. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have any of those coming up in this? The, I wouldn't be till November, right? They don't do primaries or do they do primaries? I don't think they do primaries in mm-hmm. uh, school board because it's a nonpartisan election. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but we do have candidates that are running for re-election. Um, and, and I believe we have one that has chosen not to run again. And okay. so uh, that'll there's obviously one for sure that's going to be new. But yeah, find out about these people that are running for our school board. Find out if they meet the values that you want in public education. Find out if they really care about public education or if they are just using this as a stepping stone for higher things. That's It's common, and I've seen this up in Salt Lake where I came from, where candidates would run for school board and then they'd leave as soon as a vacancy opened so they could run for something else. And hmm. and it's like they were using it as a stepping stone. And, and, and my view is, because I have children in the system, no, it's important that you represent us. If you're going to be on the school board, represent us and do what we need you to do. Don't just use this for your own personal ego so you can move up in, in things. Find out about the candidates. See who's going to be a good fit. See if they really care about public education. See if their ideas make sense. Or if not, I try to be transparent, and I'd be happy. I, I won't speak about candidates because uh, I, I can't. I, I'm, I'm not supposed to. Right. But I, I can speak about what the school district does and what makes sense, and I try to be transparent with people when they have questions about our things. Please call. Let us know. I'll address them with you. I'll treat you just like I would a reporter. I'll be as open as I possibly can. How many members of the school board are there? Uh, seven. Seven members of the school board, and they are geographically Yes, uh, uh, partisan. The, um, the way I mean, the way they they represent a certain area. Yes, the way that the way it's set up is each school board member is supposed to represent a, a, a close to equal amount of constituents okay. in the county. And so, where we just had the last sentence, uh, census <laughs> sentence census, um, they had to redraw those boundary maps so that all everybody was equalized out throughout all of our school board members and so you have a school board member that represents you they they represent a district and um they they do a good job about learning about the school district about representing you about being fiscally responsible our school board we have our budget hearing coming up on the 21st and our school board members do a great job at ensuring that we work within the budget that we've been given all right then let's say uh Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about, we talked about the responsibility of the school district, the resource officers. Uh, let's talk about the responsibilities of the students and the teachers when it comes to safety and uh, staying safe in our schools. Talking with Steve Dunham from Washington County School District. Hang on, Steve. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, more on the Andy Griffith Show. 
This is the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 92.5 KDXU. Stay tuned for Clay and Buck coming up next. Welcome back, 948 on KDXU. I always tell my guests, and Steve can attest to this, time flies on this show. <laughs> it's almost over. I know. So We've been talking crazy. for almost an hour, and I can't believe it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit. We're, we're talking guns, uh, uh, school safety, rather. Uh, and uh, I thought it f- was fascinating. Uh, uh, we talk about teachers. Uh, there are some people who would argue, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to endorse or condemn this. Some people would argue we need to train and have our teachers all have concealed carries, have them be the protectors of the classroom. Any thoughts on that, Steve? Uh, I th- I think to uh, force that on a teacher is you're asking a, a hell of a lot. Mm -hmm. Honestly, and I apologize for being so blunt, but really you have, let's look at the education system in Utah. Um, We, we pay among the lowest in the nation for Mm -hmm. our educators. And there have just been multiple bills that have gone through the legislature this session, challenging what teachers are even teaching, saying we don't trust what teachers are. If you don't trust them to teach what they're teaching, how do you trust them to have a gun and protect your child? (laughs) Good point. And, and so I, I would point. come back very hard on somebody who says, we need to do this. No, we don't need to do this. That's completely voluntary. If a teacher chooses to get a concealed carry and chooses to accept that responsibility, that's one thing. But once you force them to be the protector of your child when they're being disrespected by parents on many levels mm-hmm. and by uh, occasionally some elected officials and Many in the community and your own children, they're being disrespected by your own children. You cannot say, yeah, we need to force them to be trained to carry a gun. Uh, No, that's the wrong situation to have. You do not do that. What about incentivizing them? Like say, hey, if you'll go take a course in in defensive, you know, shooting and a concealed carry course, you get a $2,000 bonus in your paycheck for the year. Yeah, that, that's, that's something that, that, again, that puts it more as a voluntary choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's best if you don't incentivize them because if they're doing it just for the money, how seriously are they taking the training? Mm, good point. You always worry about that. Where, let's face the reality, there are many employees of Washington County School District that are already concealed carry holders. Okay. And, and we're sure of that, and we're sure that they carry appropriately because they have chosen to, and they have chosen to get the appropriate training. They have chosen to accept that responsibility in their life, and they've chosen to move forward with that, and that's perfect. Those are the type of people you want to have a concealed carry, that you want to have like in that situation in your child's classroom. In the same respect, the police have been very clear. If there is an active shooter training, and they come into a classroom and there's a person with a gun, that person is immediately a target. Hmm. And so even as part of their training, they will say, it's best if you don't pull it out, if you don't need to, to defend your life in that moment. Hmm. Good point. Because they become the target of the police, and you don't want a situation where an officer comes in and accidentally shoots a teacher because they had their concealed carry out, and... They weren't the perpetrator. They weren't the bad guy. They were just trying to protect their children. That is a whole other tragedy of friendly fire that yeah. nobody wants to live with. So currently right now there is no policy in the school district uh, about guns on campus. If, if I have well, a, there, le- legally have a concealed carry, I can We carry. follow the state law, and the okay. state law says that if you are a concealed carry holder and you're carrying it appropriately, you can enter a school building on campus, but it has to be you have to follow the the law and we follow the law in that regard 
So, do these teachers uh, or professionals have to disclose that? No, they do no. not. Okay. So I could be a fourth grade teacher, have a concealed carry, have a gun on me, and you could possibly not even know. Correct, because it mm-hmm. defeats the purpose of a concealed weapon if you know. Okay. And so they have to follow the law. It has to be concealed. It has to be kept on their person at all times and in their control. The responsibility there is sometimes it's like, I'll just I'll just sit down, and when I sit down, it's kind of uncomfortable, so I'll just put it in my desk. Yeah, no. Bad idea. Bad really idea. Really bad idea if you're in a school. It is no longer a situation that that is acceptable for us because you're not following the law. Mm. And we need you to follow the law as a concealed carry holder, and we will follow the law of what it requires us to do and pr- allow for for concealed carry holders. Let's focus a little bit uh, again on the responsibility of having that gun as a teacher. Uh, you talked about they probably shouldn't pull it out unless they feel like their life is in danger or the lives of their students yes. is in danger. Where's the line there? How do you figure that out? Because it seems like if there's a guy with a gun in the hallway... Uh, I'm pulling my gun out because even though he's not aiming at me yet, yeah. he might come through that door. You use your judgment. Okay. We we do provide trainings, and we follow the, the national guidelines of run, hide, fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You run if you can run. You hide if you can hide. And as a last resort, you fight. Right. And, and that is that is something that we review with our staff members because it is a national standard where, when possible, run. Get away from the situation. Yeah. Let the professionals come in and handle how they need to handle it. Um, hide. If you cannot get away, if you're in a situation, barricade the door, turn off the lights, and hide. And as a last resort, meaning there's nothing else you can do, you fight back with anything yeah. you have, a stapler, a phone, a, a, a bag of tissues, a box of tissues, whatever. You throw it, you tackle, you throw a chair, you fight. Because, Otherwise, unfortunately, yeah. that's the situation we're in now, where where these these horrible, horrible people are coming at us. And, and so... Do you think, and again, I'm asking you to speculate, that there's ever going to be a situation like... I hate to say Uvalde because that was a worst-case scenario, but do you ever think there will be a situation in Washington County where we have to implement some of these policies, where where it happens? Well, well we've implemented what we can to be safe. Mm-hmm. The worry is that it's never foolproof. It could happen anywhere, and, and I think that's what Uvalde teaches us is it could right. happen anywhere. And, and what we learned from golly you go to sandy hook you can go to florida i I can list them one after another because in my industry i read about them because it's a horrifying thing that we need to know about and see what went wrong what can we do better because we want to provide for the safety of the children and unfortunately it could happen here do we want it to happen here no No. can we prevent it 100 percent? no but can we do everything in our power to make it as safe as we possibly can? Yes, we mm-hmm. can, and we have, and we do do that. And and we, I'm going to get emotional here. We do read about these tragedies in other areas because you have to learn from the mistakes that are made, and it's horrifying. Yeah, there's nothing nothing worse than having a, an incident on your uh, in a school against children. 
who are innocent that are coming to a safe place to learn. Right. There's nothing yeah. worse in my mind than that. And 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 I get into this business because I believe in public education. I believe in the good it does. I want to help these kids grow, learn, and become good human beings. And, and, and so when a situation like that happens, you don't ever want it to happen here. You, 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 you take it personal. You want to learn about it so that you can put the safety measures in place so it never happens. And And, and we do a lot. We really do provide a lot of safety measures for the children here. I want our, our parents to be rest assured that, that we are active about it. There isn't a meeting that goes by that we do not talk about safety on one level or another. And that's why, Steve, that we have to be vigilant. We can't be complacent because one moment of complacency, one rock propping a Correct. door open, one uh, teacher failing to follow procedure uh, could lead to tragedy. And it, and it did in a place like Uvalde, Texas. That maybe should have never happened the way it happened that that guy maybe should have never gotten in the in the in the school or at least gotten in the school quite so easily yeah and we don't know who screwed up or how it happened but we do know we've got to be vigilant here yes. at home that it doesn't happen here correct so yeah well well said steve i appreciate that uh, real quick i wanted to ask about students responsibilities let's start first of all with elementary students in a in an active shooter situation what are they told to do they are told to listen to their teacher's instructions. That is, lock the door, turn out the lights, and hide in the corner. Mm. They, are, they are trained that. And if, if you are in a lockdown situation, that a lock, we have two, two terminologies we use. Lock out, where mm-hmm. the building is locked, nobody is allowed in or out. And we have a lockdown where everybody is locked down in their classroom. In a lockdown situation, those children are to hide and stay there quietly until an officer will come to the door and open that door and let them out. We, we, we train that over with the police. They have, they, they're provided with the key to the buildings so that they can come in, let the children out when it's safe, and get them to a safe spot. And, and to be rest assured that their teacher's going to take care of them, that mm. there are other adults there that are going to take care of them. Um, these are scary trainings that we have to do now. Yeah. And, and it does, it gives a lot of anxiety to these kids, unfortunately. But we have to do this. We have to do these trainings. And, and we want them to know that it's a training. Hopefully we'll never have to use it. But it is a training, and it, it's going to be okay. We'll guide you through it. We'll help you through it. Anything different as we go from 6th to ninth graders uh, uh, from what you just said? You know, it's really the same. Get to the closest classroom you can because as, as kids get older, they're in the halls more, going right. to the bathroom or whatever. And the object at that point is, is if we go into a lockdown situation, you get into a locked classroom. We don't want you hiding out in a bathroom. If you do get stuck in a bathroom, get up on the toilet seat. You lift your feet up. You lock the stall. You stay quiet. You don't want to be texting. You don't want your phone to go off. Even a vibration, that's, that's a critical one, is mm. the vibration of the phones can signal and tell somebody, oh, there's somebody there. I'm going after them. You want absolute silence. And so you want that phone on silent. You don't want it even on vibrate. That'll give you a signal. I think the first introduction we all had to mass shootings, the school shootings, was Columbine. Yeah. So let's talk about high schools now. What is different about high schools, especially since we have open campuses? High schools are the most challenging situation. And I come back to a lot of the – in a situation where it might actually be taking place, you'll probably have a lot of instances of children getting out of the building. And um, uh, we're not going to discourage that. Again, it's run – hide, fight. If you can get away, get away. If you can run, run. Run. Yeah. And uh, the, the the other one that I really want to hammer home with all of our grade level children, if you see something, say something. If you have a friend, if you see a kid on the bus that has a gun, a knife, whatever, 
say something. Say it to the bus driver. Say it to the teacher. You say it to everybody. Say something if you see something. That's what prevents it. And in most of these cases, that's how we prevent it, is if you see something, say something. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. He's Steve Dunham. I'm Andy Griffin. Thanks, Andy. Good to have you on the show.